With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Take a closer look at unlimited data plans, and you'll see they're not always upfront with their prices. Not at T-Mobile. Get unlimited data with taxes and fees already included. And right now, get four lines of unlimited data while on our network for just 40 bucks each per month with AutoPay. So go ahead, take a closer look, and you'll see nobody does unlimited like T-Mobile. Don't wait. Hurry into a T-Mobile store or call us at 1-800-T-MOBILE and switch today. Top 3% of data users over 32 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds. You're listening to the Cowbell Kingdom Podcast, brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube, fast and convenient automotive services with over 25 locations in the area. Visit them at JiffyLubeCA.com for coupons and locations today. Now, here's your host, James Ham. Welcome to the Cowbell Kingdom Podcast, brought to you by Jiffy Lube. I am James Ham here on the floor of Sleep Train Arena following the Kings' devastating 101-78 to loss to the Dallas Mavericks. Joining me, Katie Christensen. Katie, what exactly is going wrong with this team? You know, I, I think that there's a lot of things going on, and I don't think that any of them really are an easy fix. Um, I, I've, I've been on teams that are in situations like this where the losing becomes such um, a disappointment and such a hard thing to go through every day and you're at practice and you're, you know, every time you step on the floor and we saw like in that first, first half, there was moments where it's like, wow, I was really impressed because they looked like they were playing together and they were sharing the ball and supporting each other. But it, it seems like at any sign of, of kind of um, the, the tide switching and a t- another team going on a run instead of, what we saw earlier in the season from them where they were able to sustain it and bounce back and make a run of their own. It's they're so deflated right now. I don't think that they have the mental uh, ability right now and an emotional kind of strength to get through it, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of season left. Yeah. I mean, I think after tonight there's 34 games left and we're sitting here like watching this unfold. What do you do if you're the GM, if you're the head coach, if you're the star player, what do you do in this situation? 
I don't know what you do if you were the GM. I mean, I'm assuming that any general manager in this league at this time, whether if you're, you know, in, in first place or in last place, everyone's trying to make their team better. So you're looking to make moves. I don't, you know, last year, I don't know what to expect because last year they were so active early in the season and there's really been no activity this season. The trade deadline is coming up on February 19th. We'll see if there's any changes. Um, but I know in terms of a head coach, something that I would do and I've again I, I've seen it work in the past is when you're in a in an environment like this where it's kind of negative and you're losing and, and nobody likes to lose and you know fans are like oh DeMarcus is the only one who cares I guarantee you that's not the case of course everyone handles it differently just because they're not as kind of visual about their disappointment as DeMarcus might be or vocal about it doesn't mean that they don't care but you have to get back and it sounds very elementary but you have to get back to where you realize that this is a team sport and you're meant to play together and have fun together. You should have fun together. And I would go in and at practice and I would turn on the music and there would be no practice in terms of like running through stuff. There would be shooting games. There would be, you know, competitive shooting games where you're going against each other and you're on t people's teams and you have fun and it helps you kind of mentally flip that switch in your head where you're sporting each other, you're having fun, and guess what? You're actually getting some work in in terms of, like, getting some shots up and doing some things. At this point in the season, there's nothing that they're doing in practice that can't be done in a walkthrough, to be honest. So, I mean, if I were a head coach in this situation, I'd try something like that to kind of figure out a way to bring the personalities back together on a team to playing together and having fun together. Kind of like what we saw with Dave Blatt where he took his team bowling. Oh, did he take his team bowling? Yeah, and then they won like nine straight. Well, I think LeBron being back had something to do with that too as well. I think so, <laughs> but they weren't winning like that even yeah. with LeBron. So. No, I mean seriously, like when I, I played on some tough teams um, when I was in the WNBA early on, and we would go through things like this, and it was hard to stay together. The great thing about that team is we were together. We were in every single game because we supported each other, but we worked at it. We did things off the floor together. It's like we go over to someone's house for a barbecue. That's how you stay together. You support each other off the floor and have fun like that, and it kind of helps you get through kind of the bumps of the season, but that it sounds silly, but maybe they need to get together and do something and have a little bit of fun away from this right now. Have you seen a team that had so much promise just fall apart like this before? <sighs> Nothing that comes to mind. Nothing that comes to mind. But it does, I was thinking about it during the game today, like going back and, and when they were, you know, five and one and, and continuing to do really well that first month. Coach Malone himself, when he was here, he said, Everyone's getting so excited, but we haven't done anything yet. Um, and so I don't, I don't really know what to attribute it to. Coaching changes are always tough. I've been through them myself. It is a difficult thing to go through. But it's also part of the business, and everyone does it. So, you know, I, I don't know if maybe because of how they came out, if, if people, if it looks that bad now because of how well they came out. And I don't know if that would have sustained itself if there had been no changes. There's no way of telling. And playing the what-if game in sports is ridiculous. The, it doesn't matter. So I think the most important thing now is for this team to try and fix what's going on here. And I, I understand, you know, fans talking to me all the time. It's a tough thing to watch. It's, a, it's uh, painful. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to enlighten everyone a little bit. It is excruciating when you're the one on the floor. It okay. is. So they've lost 10 out of 11, and it's snowballing. I mean, clearly, I think they're at 6-18 under Ty Corbin. 
how long do you go with this before you just literally you have to do something just to try to break them out of it? I mean, whether it be a coach or whether it be a trade or I mean, how long can you? Well, go? I would anticipate that they're the front office is trying to make this roster better. Again, like I said earlier, everyone's trying to do that at this point. Um, I think it's important for this team because it's obvious that they're nowhere near where the product that, that this ownership group wants. Um, when you have somebody like DeMarcus, you need to have people surrounding him um, that have the ability to make his game easier and he can make their game better. And I'm talking about shooting. I mean, we've seen some great shooting teams yeah. and we don't have great parameter shooting right now. That's just the, the fact of the matter. And when you're playing in the West and you have somebody like DeMarcus, you need a couple other scorers, people that can really stretch the, the floor, whether it is a stretch four or a shooting guard, it doesn't really matter, but you need consistency and you need some consistency with your bench. And this bench is really struggling recently. And, and it's, it's not, it's not been a really strong bench in terms of production or defense all season long. So there's got to be changes that are made. Um, in terms of a, a coaching change, I, I don't know if I think it's a good idea or a bad idea to change coaches again at this point. I don't know if it makes anything better or if it makes things worse. Um, you typically don't see that happen right now. Um, but in terms of, of next season, the only thing that you can really do is the question of, okay, at this point, you're not in the playoffs. Do you start playing some of the younger guys? Do you do that? But Coach Corbin said before the game tonight when he was asked a similar question to that, we're playing to win. We're trying to win. Yeah. And so I'm wondering at what juncture that kind of switches. That's kind of the danger of having a guy who is a quote-unquote lame duck, though, right? I mean, that you have no idea. He's trying to win, and that a lot of the time that means not developing younger players because he is trying to win. He's trying to, you know. Yeah, but I also think that this ownership group and front office are, are not shy about saying what they want and if that's what they want then they'll let him know and he'll go with that I mean he's he's trying to up the tempo that's not his style of play like he's trying to accommodate what this group wants as it is I don't see him not accommodating that okay so where do we go from here I mean do you see this team waking up out of this funk or do you see this franchise allowing this team to go for another 34 games and let this thing I mean maybe even do damage going past this season. yeah I don't know what's going to happen in terms of the remainder uh, you know the remainder of the season 34 games left to go I do know from experience that this all-star break is going to be a good thing for everybody involved it's going to be good for everybody to get away DeMarcus is going to go and take part in some really fun stuff and he's a first-time all-star and he should be able to enjoy that and not worry about what's going on here and take part in kind of that winning environment that is going to be the all-star game um, and hopefully everyone else takes some time off and kind of gets away and clears their heads and hopefully that helps when they come back together and okay. there should be some changes all right well hey thanks so much for dropping You're by welcome. Uh, katie christensen courtside at sleep train arena welcome back to the cowbell kingdom podcast brought to you by jiffy lube jiffy lube fast and convenient automotive services with over 25 locations in the Sacramento area, visit them at jiffylubeca.com for coupons and locations today. I am James Ham. Joining me, Mr. Aaron Bruski, NBC Sports. Aaron, what is going on, my friend? I just watched a very, uh, if you're a Kings fan, depressing basketball game. So uh, that's uh, what I've been doing. Yeah, I think depressing is like to say the least. This is a season spun out of control 
a season that had so much promise and at this point it's like literally like there's a giant gaping hole in the side of a boat it's sinking people are clinging on to the edges there's not enough life preservers to go around somebody's going to pay for this mess i mean it's it's an absolute train wreck on the water sinking into the bottom of the ocean uh, if that makes any sense but yeah this no, is I, no i think you nailed it right there <laughs> It's just bad. Um, you know, watching DeMarcus Cousins in the locker room following the game is is painful to watch. You know, he's struggling with what's going on. He he doesn't like what's going on. Um, he's calling out his teammates, uh, which has been something that has been become more and more progressive, not specifically, but in general, saying, look, where's your professional pride? And the fact is, this team is showing zero professional pride at this moment. And, I mean, we can get to DeMarcus Cousins' quotes here in just a few minutes, but is, is that something that you're seeing, Aaron, just a lack of professionalism, a lack of professional pride? Yeah, you know, DeMarcus is going to run into a few tiny problems because it's not like he's running a perfect slate in terms of professionalism and even effort. I mean, I, the, the feedback I got after tweeting one of his quotes was a bunch of people sending me the vine of him not knowing where he was on the basketball court. Um, and I don't know if anybody got an answer out of him. I haven't been there, so if, maybe you could tell me, did he address that play? Because that is one of the most interesting plays that I've seen. Actually, you know what? He did not address the play because I don't think he was in any mood to address that play tonight. And, you know, when you got him in, in a situation like that, the last thing you want to do after they just lost to a, a a good Dallas Mavericks team, but a Dallas Mavericks team missing Dirk Nowitzki, missing Rajon Rondo, and, you know, Chandler Parsons was totally ineffective. You know, so it wasn't exactly the moment to do that, but I did bring it up to Tyrone Corbin in pregame. And he said, I said, hey, look, you had to have watched the film. You've seen it out there. What exactly was DeMarcus Cousins doing? He said it was miscommunication. He came out of the huddle thinking offense, thinking the next offensive set, and literally got in position as an offensive player and, you know, took the outside instead of the inside. And Spites just looked up and said, holy cow, what in the world are you doing? And ran right to the hoop for an alley-oop in the Warriors game. And Tyrone Corbin was very specific. He's like, look, that was just – it was just a mental lapse where he literally thought he was on the wrong side of the court. And that's what it came down to. It was not just DeMarcus saying, go ahead and go dunk. That's fine. Right. And and so that's kind of what I sensed watching the play. (laughs) It's exactly what he looked like he was doing. So he's got some small, you know, blemishes. And, you know, he's been a handful in the locker room for, you know, a couple of years prior to this year. So when he calls out his teammates, he's got to have he's got to have the goods, in my opinion, to be able to do that. And I think he does have the goods. Looking at this team play, it at times looks like DeMarcus Cousins is trying and four other guys are maybe giving 70 percent or 80 percent. And then he's getting frustrated. I mean, he is. He's getting yeah, frustrated and, with the lack of, of, you know. Right, and it's progressive. So it's the fact that he had a mental lapse on that one play, um, if that's the least of, of his transgressions, I think Kings, Kings fans can be okay with that. And he's he's coming across like a guy that really, really cares. He's got that fire that you want to see out of a player when they're losing. Uh, he might be making mistakes here or there. He might be losing his concentration. He might not be at his peak level like he was in the beginning of the year. But it's it's hard to watch because 
the other guys on the team, for whatever reason, they are not engaged. And and I, I don't know, maybe you could point out a couple that you think are, but I've had a hard time finding the player, maybe Omri Caspi. Yeah. Where I see, okay, this guy cares. Darren Collison. I think Darren Collison cares. Darren Collison would probably fit the bill, even though I've seen some stuff from him. Even, and you, you know things are bad when Darren Collison, who's a pretty much, he's been an effort guy. Pro's pro. Year. Yeah. Pro's pro. When he starts letting up, not running back, kind of doing those little teeny things that Greg Popovich might have a coronary, coronary over, he, it, it, things are bad. Okay, so let me read you the, a couple of the quotes from DeMarcus Cousins that we got from the locker room tonight. Um, just pride. Just have some self-respect. Act like you care. That's what it's coming down to. That was, that was one of his first quotes. Uh, we asked him, what can you do? You know, He said, I can keep leading by example. That's all I can do. My body language has been bad as well because I had asked him about body language. Uh, he said, I need to straighten it out myself. Um, I think the prevailing thing that he said, and he said it very loudly and very forcefully, he said, we're the same team, the same team that everyone was praising at the beginning of the season. It's the same team. And John Dickinson was there and tried to ask him about the coaching change. And he said, we're not going there. And he kept, John kept asking, well, the coaching change is like, could it be an excuse for people? He said, we are not going there. It's so far past that we are just not going to go there because that would be an excuse, and we just can't use that. It's too late for that. And I asked him specifically, is this the uh, the most frustrated you've been in your five years in Sacramento? And his, his answer was unequivocally, absolutely. He's not at all happy about what's happening here. And I know the previous game on Tuesday, he said the all-star game he looks at as like an escape from reality. Like he's going to get away from the reality of the situation that he's in here in Sacramento and just try to enjoy himself playing basketball and all that stuff. So it's it's dire, man. This is this is a bad situation. And while we were all crowded around DeMarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay skirted out the side door. And so we didn't get DeMar- we didn't get Rudy Gay. And of course, Darren Collison tweaked his abdominal muscle. He has an MRI scheduled for tomorrow. You know, he has an abdominal strain, so who knows how long he could be out. Maybe he won't be out long, but he certainly is in a position where there's a chance he could be out for a considerable amount of time. You just don't know. And so this team is kind of just like rudderless, falling apart, you know, leaking out at the seams. And, I, you know, Tyrone Corbin just like clearly has no command of the locker room. When we walked into the locker room after the game, Corbin – had given us nothing in a post-game interview, and then he went over and sat with DeMarcus Cousins when we came in the locker room and, and had a conversation with DeMarcus uh, while we all stood there waiting. And I, I just don't know what to say, man. I, this is one of those situations where y- you would hope that professionalism would eventually win out. But, you know, like when I talked to Katie Christensen in the uh, in the first half of the podcast, she said, look, I've been on these bad teams. I've been in these situations where it's just horrible and you can't get out of it. And she said, you know, the one point that I thought was very salient is that she said, look, like you think that the fans are pissed. You should try being out there in front of 17,000 people failing, having everyone know you're failing and looking at each other like, what are you doing and and just like every the world is crashing around you she said it's painful 
and they're you know that's part of it your psyche you just can't get out of your own way in a lot of these situations so it's a bad situation man i i, I don't know what do you think they can do to pull out of this aaron oh they could go hire a coach they, they, could, <laughs> they could go oh it's that easy <laughs> well, I mean, isn't, well, they made a big old mess. Now I got to clean it up. Uh, they could hire a coach. They could indicate to fans that they understand that uh, they've put the fans through some unnecessary hardship. They put the players through some unnecessary hardship. Uh, they could take the lesson in uh, political infighting and why it's not a good thing in any organization. They could take the lesson. Uh, I think the Sacramentians, they value truthfulness and loyalty more than anything and and hard work and hard work effort yeah they have a chip sacramentans have a chip on their shoulder um it's no surprise that they are known for, for their kind of their overwhelming reactions to things um with that all said i think that, that there's a tonality there's a tonality pardon me tonality issue that needs to be addressed with the way that that organization is being run right now, because at every single level, people are not happy with the infighting, the leaks, the fact that the way the business is conducted, people's people are getting trashed as they're walking out the door. Um, you know, good talented individuals are being shooed away, and it doesn't make sense. Nothing adds up. Um, you know, the, the the types of leaks that I've heard. That, that have actually hit the radar that I won't even give time of day to. I, I think that the, these stories are kind of out there and everywhere. And people are shaking their heads saying, you know, the fight to keep the Kings was, was pure. People, I know hundreds of people, I've interviewed hundreds of people that have taken time off their jobs, taken time away from their families, they believed in this big cause, and it became a citywide civic celebration of, of this very uh, proud moment that represented everything that was right about coming together as a community. And when that gets replaced with these kind of underhanded and slick-talking leaks and narratives, and everybody's fighting with each other, and it's at every level of the organization I think people have this sick taste in their mouth right now, and it's going to take a big, splashy move from the Kings to turn the narrative, and then if they start winning, that's how they get out of it. Yeah, I could see. I mean, you're right. I, I, we talked about the, the worst part is we talked about this in December when, when the Michael Malone thing happened, that the big, splashy move is to hire George Carl. And to just get on with it and move forward. Clearly, that's not the plan. And I don't think the plan is going to change just because George Carl is getting, like, uh, some sniffs from Orlando. And i got to be honest, Orlando probably is not interested in George Carl at this point. They're a few years away from being ready for George Carl, where the Sacramento Kings are a team that actually has veteran talent and can actually produce something if they if they were to get it together. So I, I'm just going to say that, like, look – George Carl, I, I know a lot of people out there are like, oh, please hire him, please hire him. But there's a reason why George Carl wasn't hired this summer, uh, while he, why he took the year off from basketball last year. And, and now we're in a situation where, like, look, he he's almost a year and a half out of coaching. He'll be two years out of coaching. He's had other opportunities, and, and people haven't hired him. So there is something to that. And, and I'm not saying, like, don't hire, hire George Carl or he's a bad guy or anything else. 
but there is this this thing this like look if he if he was the right fit then he would have been the right fit in a lot of different openings that have happened and so you're right i think it's it's got to be something splashy like that it's got to be something splashy like a monster trade but then again does that really help i mean if you still have you bring in a bunch of you know good quality pieces into a cantankerous situation and they just fall right into line with what's happening here they look around you know it lasts for about a week we saw it when Patrick Patterson and, and and other players come in, you know, that they all of a sudden, boom, it's like, oh, my gosh, this guy's way better than we thought. And then by, like, week two, week three, it levels out, and we're right back to where we were before. So it, it's got to change. And my biggest issue, Aaron, is that, again, there are 34 games left. You could do irreparable harm to this franchise by not doing anything, by sitting on your hands. And I, what I'm talking about is, like, you could make this – so toxic that that everyone wants out and and i you know at this point i think there are a lot of people that want out there there are some people that think okay we can ride this thing out and we can get this thing fixed but there are also a lot of people are like man you created this mess you got us into this i don't want to be here anymore you you don't know what you're doing and I, i think that's as big an issue as anything aaron well, the interesting thing is all of this Carl stuff seems to be following the same pattern of leakage that a lot of other stories that have been put out there. So I wonder how much is fact and how much is fiction there. And I also wonder, you know, and here's the thing, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Carl guy. Like, if you asked me before Carl's name even came up however long ago, do I think George Carl is a Hall of Fame coach? Probably. I'm not going to argue with you if, if you think he is because of all the wins. Has I have I looked at the job that Carl does with, and and said, man, that guy is just like a, a lock to be a championship head coach? No, but he is by far. If if Tom Thibodeau doesn't get like fired from Chicago and then magically decide that he wants to take part in this this up tempo game with you know with meddling executives and, and and owners and such, there's not a coach that is a tenth of the quality. Of George Carl. You want Scott Brooks? Scott Brooks has run the Thunder basically into the ground. I mean, this is a championship quality team that had so many multiple mistakes when on the basketball floor in the playoffs from a coaching perspective that they were, it was too hard to count them. Who else? Alvin Gentry? I mean, we saw. Yeah, there's nothing sexy, right? There's no one out there that's sexy that's going to like flip a switch and, and make it all better. There's just not. So it's from me. I mean, if you're gonna, you, you got a splashy trader, you got a splashy coach hire. George Carl, you know, maybe he has some warts, but he has the ability to to change the narrative in Sacramento. I mean, people will say, "Hey, it took you guys 20, 30 games, or however long it's going to take them," but they could make that move and make everybody happy, I would presume, and and, and stem the bleeding just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, realistically, don't they have to bring in someone that, number one, can bend DeMarcus Cousins' ear, and, and number two, that can play the style that both Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins are fit for? I don't care what you say about pace, pace, pace. You know, the fact is, if you get better players around those two, then you're going to have better pace. You're going to have more offense, because those two are very good off- offensive weapons. I mean... In a really good system, you could get 50 points a night out of those two players. And, and then, you know, whatever you get out of the surrounding players, uh, inefficient, 
you know, two or three efficient three-point shooters, you know, a, another pass-first complementary point guard, like a, a passing defensive point guard to complement Darren Collison, you know, somebody behind Ben McLemore that actually has NBA experience that can hit a shot. You know, they, like you watch the Dallas Mavericks, it's, Richard Jefferson isn't isn't like a sexy guy to bring off your bench. It's not like, oh, we got Richard, we got like a 34, 35-year-old Richard Jefferson. But you know what? He hits wide open shots. He stays in front of his man. You know, he does what Vince Carter did for them last year, except for not quite the score. But, you know, it's still, that's what you, you have to have. You can't have a bench filled with guys that literally, I mean, what was it? 61 to 12, they got out, outscored. Their bench got outscored against Golden State. And people are like, oh, well, their bench played a lot more than the Kings. It's like, well, their bench played a lot more. Because the Kings' second unit came in in the late first quarter and early second quarter and got blown out by 25 and ended the game. That's why their bench played more. I mean, you you can't have one and not, well, you know. I mean, they, they they kicked their bench out the door and decided to do that a year in advance, probably because he's a Mike Malone guy. So I don't, I mean, that's what you're looking at with, with the Kings now is they got to own up to the decisions that they've made. And and part of that I think is gonna be what they do with coach. I, I, I just I don't see any other way out of it. There aren't no team is gonna knock on the king's door and say, Hey, here's this really good trade. You give us nothing and we're gonna change your franchise, you know, in a way that, that suits this group into this up tempo idea that I don't even know how long that idea will last, but um that trade's not out there. The, the best the best case that the Kings can can have is that there's two teams that have a deal in mind and they need a third team to facilitate and that third team would be the Kings. They would pick up some, something of value, you know, in a winning deal, but it's not going to be this game changing franchise changing thing unless they take on bad money, you know, vis-a-vis -vis uh, Darren Williams. But I think that ship's already sailed. I mean, they've already put out rumors that, they were only interested in bringing Darren Williams in it, it, to, to bring him off the bench, that Darren Collison was never a part of the deal. That was untrue. And that they wouldn't part with Nick Stauskas because they believe uh, Nick Stauskas is too valuable. What, what the reality of it was, was that the Nets didn't want to part with Mason Plumley. So, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and boo on the Nets. If you could get rid of Darren Williams and that terrible contract for the price of Mason Willi or pardon me, Mason Plumley, you do that deal. But they're in an ownership mind themselves, and they weren't able to pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll keep harping on this, but the Sacramento Kings have no first-round pick. So for them to get into, you know, the Aaron Aflalo uh, sort of, you know, sweepstakes, which is about to, you know, commence, you know, they need a first-round pick. If they want to get into, again, let's just pick on on uh, the Denver Nuggets. If they want to get into the Kenneth Fareed sweepstakes, they're going to need two first-round picks probably. And to get him away from them. And literally, the Kings can't do anything with their picks until like 2018, 2019. They, they're literally, the J.J. Hickson deal has hamstrung this team. So right now, I you know, like people around the league, they're intrigued by some of the Kings' pieces. And the Kings do have some pieces that people want. For all those people out there that think that Jason Thompson, you know, has, like nobody wants Jason Thompson, you're absolutely mistaken. And for that matter, look, Golden State, we watched the Golden State Warriors just rip the the like shreds out of the Kings 
uh, like twice in the last, I don't know, what is it, 11 days. It's just, you know, what they do to the Kings, it's just not fun to watch. But when you get to the playoffs and somebody slows it down and does something totally different against you and you don't have the ability to sort of control what's happening, so look, they're running gun. They're having a great time. Everything's cool. You get to the playoffs and all of a sudden the game turns to molasses. That's going to happen. And so when that happens... You know, they're going to need to make sure that they can stop Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph and Blake Griffin and name, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, all of these power forwards in the Western Conference that are really, really good. And the fact is that they've got Bogut, who plays on, on two bad ankles and misses time every single year. Festus Azili doesn't even play for them, and when he does, he gets hurt. So would they be a better team with a guy like Jason Thompson to bring in who has a track record, a very good track record, of slowing Zach Randolph, Blake Griffin, and LaMarcus Aldridge. He he may not be the Kobe stopper, but my goodness, he's done a great job on those three players. And when you get into a seven-game series, you better have somebody that can guard those guys or they're going to beat you. And at the same time, if I'm, if I'm the other three teams that are looking at the possibility of a guy like Jason Thompson who's played me well... I, I would think the same thing. Like, look, if, if you're Memphis and you're thinking we could use more depth behind, you know, our two big guys, you know, what happens if one of them gets hurt? But even if that doesn't happen, what happens if one of them gets in foul trouble? Would a guy like Jason Thompson help them? Heck yeah, he could help them. Maybe not against Golden State, but he could definitely help them against, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin. So I, I think there's value here on this roster. And, you know, People are like, well, what are you going to get for Jason Thompson? Well, he's owed six and a half million next year, and the next year is a two and a half million dollar buyout, or you can keep him for six and a half, seven million. And but that's when the salary cap goes through the roof, and you know it just goes nuts and crazy, and people aren't going to care about that contract anyways. So my point is, like, look, could you get a late first round pick from a surefire fifty five win playoff team? to bring in a guy like Jason Thompson to be a specific stopper against players that you, you struggle with. You know, even, again, the Clippers have a, a hole behind Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. Could he fill that hole? The, the answer is yes. So, I mean, the Kings have to be aggressive here. They've got to do whatever they can to get not, maybe not even the player that they want, but the asset that leads to the player that they want down the road. Because right now, the fact that they don't have first-round picks just absolutely crushes his team. And you're absolutely right on that. They have to make a deal. So J- Jason Thompson is a great example. But the, the, this is the this is the maze that the Kings have to go through because they screwed this up so bad. Is they got to take a guy like J- Jason Thompson? You broke that down perfectly. He is exactly what you said he is. And the the Warriors are going to look at that or whatever prospective team, and they're going to know the Kings are desperate to make a move. And there's going to be three to four other guys on the free agent market that have similar attributes that they can hold out for, you know, and maybe get it done for a second round pick or some, some, you know, whatever other asset gets the deal done, but giving, getting rid of that first round draft pick. I mean, if you're the Warriors, you can say that that would be a 30th pick, you know, with relative confidence as you go around the league though, now you're talking 25, 20, you know, and whatever the pick condition might be. So it becomes very, you got the Kings who need to make a deal now. They're going to have to, to, to let the other side win, which, which is bad business in general because now you're paying for your mistakes that you made previously. But again, 
So let's say they get a first round, a late first round pick. They still are going to have a hard time finding an impact player to come in, particularly at this time. You know, when when the national narrative and, and basically everybody around the league, I think, is in unison that that this is that show of stuff that I cannot say on air. So getting that that deal to be done, that that's just I the probability of it is is too low at this point. It's going to have to fall in their lap because two other parties have something that they want to get done. And the Kings just happen to be a good facilitator. And it comes back to, well, what's going to change the equation in the, in the offseason? How are you going to get free agents to come in and, and not just completely want to stay away? And that is the change at coach. If you wait until the summer to do your coaching change, yeah, there'll be more candidates available. There'll be some retreads or some, some guys that are fired that are available. In a best-case scenario, Chicago and Tom Thibodeau get upset. But again... I cannot see that guy coming to Sacramento. But there also could be an assistant coach that makes a lot of sense for your team. Like, I, I don't know that that guy's out there. And I'm not talking about some rookie guy that you bring in that has never been a head coach before. Sort of do the Michael Malone thing again. What I'm talking about is a guy like Nate McMillan or, you know, again, you said Alvin Gentry. Or someone like that that, you know, maybe they took a job this year just to take a job and keep their name in the basketball circus. Um, but, you know, I, I guess that's something that could work. But I don't know. I mean, you got to have someone that buys in fully. It, let me get back to one thing, too, Aaron. You know, here's a deal that the Kings – the Kings had a deal almost worked out, almost consummated with the, the Clippers to send Ramon Sessions to the Clippers for Jordan Farmar and a pair of second-round picks. And people are like, why would the Clippers ever give up, you know, two second-round picks for Ramon Sessions? And the fact is the Ramon Sessions has been a good basketball player in, in other stops, just not in Sacramento. Uh, something broke somewhere along the way on his way down I-80, and, you know, now he's a shell of himself. But the Kings were looking to get two second-round picks because as of right now, the Kings don't even have any second-round picks. Right. And, and, and so, I mean, that's just like, holy cow, they don't even have any second-round picks. And... So what I'm saying is that you have to start like parceling these pieces out in order to get little pieces to a bigger puzzle. You know, if like, again, you look at the Houston Rockets who have Josh Smith, but again, would Carl Landry or Jason Thompson work there? The finances aren't great on either one of those players, but maybe it does work. Maybe they would make it a deal. Maybe you can take a player with an expiring contract back from those guys uh, you know, to make something work or just to get, even for this team, even right now, even cap space is an asset this team doesn't have. I mean, they've got about $8 million in cap space this summer. That's not enough. That's not enough to compete when you're the Sacramento Kings. You need to overpay players every year, and so you need an extra $2 million, $3 million. $8 million isn't good to throw out at some guy that you think that will work out. So, I mean, you need more well, money. And, and on that note, I always I thought that I was ambivalent about the Rudy Gay deal. Um, I understood the need to, to want to pay him. And then I thought the team got a, a good deal. Yep. So, so, I mean, it's really hard to go against the grain with the Rudy Gay deal. But you, ha- you also got to ask yourself, you know, if you're going to if you're going to tie yourself into two players, are these my two players that are getting me a championship? And I and along the lines of what you're saying, I think, you know, when you pass up a money ball type deal. You could have had like, the crazy thing about this Kings team is they could have had a, a, a backcourt of Carlson and Thomas and let them hash it out in the in the preseason as to who would start and who would sit, and and 
you know, have everybody on board, give those guys more than enough minutes. Um, Play those guys together. Uh, that's yeah. the other thing that, like, people are, oh, it had to be either. Okay, look, I'm not going to beat the Isaiah Thomas drum because, you know, it's over and, you know, most fans have it's, moved it's past over, it. It's over, but they're looking for a six-man. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I mean, look, Darren Collison has become, like, a really, really effective corner three guy as an off-ball player. This team doesn't have a second ball handler. They still don't. Ramon Sessions and Darren Collison can't play together because Ramon Sessions is shooting 30% from the field and is is like a sieve. He literally is like a gut shot dude leaking out on defense, like just dying on you. You're like, I, I don't... I, I think the bigger piece, though, is that you got Rudy Gay in and you got him at a decent number, but the question still remains, are these your two guys that are taking you to a championship? Well, the answer is yes for DeMarcus and the answer for Rudy's, but we don't know. Um, and... You, you lock yourself into those pieces, and you've really got to make something work, whether you get a rookie-scale contract guy that's just amazing or you get that one or two free agents where it's like Steph Curry right now. is I think it's a $44 million deal for four years. That frees them up so much. You have to have a win on the cap sheet somewhere. Well, I, think, I think Rudy Gay is a win on the cap sheet. I mean, I'm, you could I'm be the Warriors who have – who have uh, Andre Iguodala, who's owed forty-eight million over four years? I mean, you could, you could have that deal. The Kings turned that deal down. They they backed out of that deal. I mean, the you know, I you're right. Steph Curry is is one of the greatest deals in the NBA. For that matter, I'd say the same thing about uh, Kenneth Reed's deal is pretty is pretty generous if you can get him scoring in the right system. Um, but Steph Curry, the reason why he was such a good deal was because he had bad ankles and kept getting hurt, and so now he's moved past that. But that was the reason why he was available for so cheap. And, you know, so I guess, you know, it's the same thing with Rudy Gay. I think the Kings did get a deal on Rudy Gay. I mean, I sat here and watched the Dallas Mavericks tonight, and they gave max money, max money to Chandler Parsons. And, dude, Rudy Gay is a much better player than Chandler Parsons. Oh, yeah, that was a bad contract. <laughs> well, and then, you know, on Saturday night, the Kings go to Utah, and, and Gordon Hayward is there. And, I mean, is Gordon Hayward someone that you, you build an entire team around? He certainly is not. He He's a good second or third option. He, I put him in the realm of a player like a Kevin Martin when he was, you know, maybe a little bit better than Kevin Martin. But, really, I, I don't know if he's a little bit better than what Kevin Martin was in his prime when he was in Sacramento. I mean, the Kings need to find some assets, you know, just throwing out Kevin Martin. He's owed too much money, but would would that work? You need somebody who can score off this bench. Reggie Jackson, somebody's out there that the Kings can go get, and I don't know who that guy is, you know, off the top of my head. I will make lists of who that guy could be, but the Kings have to have somebody who can score off the bench, and to me... You got to have that, and then you realistically you have to invest major, major money in guys who shoot the three ball, and maybe can defend three. uh, You know the whole three and D guy. I mean, again, like Danny Green would make this team better. Even you know the you talk about Phoenix, um, Gerald Green is another guy who would make this team better. Who could come in give you consistent shooting and defense and and scoring off the bench at the shooting guard position play a little three you could do some different things with Macklemore you know those are the guys that the Kings need they need them desperately and I just don't know how they get them 
um, without, you know, I, I mean, I guess they, they have to give up Stauskas to get them, but I, they've got to give up more than that, well, and they just don't have this, it. See, all this speaks to, like, there's a term in, in gambling called chasing the money or chasing your bets or chasing anything, chasing yeah. the points. This is this is where you get into trouble, is if you're trying to mask the organizational issues by making a big, splashy trade to get a player or you're trying to to, to build around this unit and you're desperate to do so, you go out and you make bad deals. And, you know, the, the thing that's going to attract players to want to come here for, say, less of a, of a surcharge, you know, on top of, you know, the Sacramento surcharge, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that, the thing that's going to decrease that surcharge is when they look and say, oh, hey, I really like what's going on there. I like the mark- what Marcus is doing. I think that, you know, ownership was shaky at first, but they've turned the page. They got a good coach and blah, blah, blah. That's going to be the thing that turns the page and, and makes, you know, probably clear 10 to 15% off of their cap. You know, if you wanted to add up all the little differences and, and figure out what would, what would guys be willing to play for. So I, I just think, you know, from the Kings perspective, they got a silver bullet here. They just don't want to spend the money to do it for one. And for two, they've got to work out all of the internal politics and, and get that guy in. Heck, Get Mike Malone back in. <laughs> that would be the, the, the I, I don't even know if Malone would be against it, but that would be the best PR move I think they could ever make. And that would um, require a lot of crow to be eaten, but, um, and it's probably never going to happen. But, you know, you've got some silver bullets here where well, you can run around in this maze and, and try to make something out of nothing without, because the only other alternative is a total teardown. And that's that's not what they want going into that new arena. No, no, no. And, and I think tonight's game against the Dallas Mavericks uh, was a huge game for Vivek Ranadive because uh, it was a it, a Legends game. They they brought Brian Grant back. They brought um, Mitch Richmond back, and then sure enough, they were able to coax Bill Russell into showing up for the game. So former Sacramento Kings president of basketball operations and head coach of the Sacramento Kings, Bill Russell, who literally like within like three months basically lost all of his jobs here and was like a VP because he did such a tremendous job. Um, Anyway, Bill Russell was here and, uh, you know, there's great pictures of him shaking hands with DeMarcus Cousins and all this stuff. It's awesome. But man most of the guys that come and sit next to Vivek Ranadive, you know what they do? They get up at like the mid... Okay, first of all, they at halftime, they go into the owner's lounge where there's this cool bar and, and it's drinks and things are flowing. Everyone's having a good time. It's like hot, you know, rubbing elbows with celebrities and stuff like that, Sacramento celebrities, um, if there are those thing, such things. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen Timothy Busfield here, but that's, just, that's like Sacramento celebrity status. Anyway... Um, Bill, and then they take like a long halftime, and they show up like mid third quarter. Well, Bill Bill Russell was like all about business here. Bill Russell stuck it out, man. The Kings are are not only are they getting blown out by a team missing Rondo and Nowitzki, but the fans are streaming out. You know, it's like it's like watching ants or or rats run off a ship. You know, you're watching everyone just flood out, you know, the doors with like eight minutes left in the game. Well, however painful it was, it was not so painful that Bill Russell didn't want to watch the rest of the game. 
So, question, did Vivek stay for the whole game? Oh, yeah, Vivek sat there eating humble pie next to one of the greatest players of all time. Certainly, he had to be embarrassed. You know what they were doing on the, the scoreboard during the timeouts? They were running blooper reels. Not NBA blooper reels, but I'm talking like America's Funniest Home Videos. Just to keep the few fans that were left engaged and laughing. Because that's how bad it was. And Bill Russell is sitting there while this embarrassment is happening next to an owner who's, who literally you know, helped make this mess for himself. And it had to be like, like humbling. I, I hope it was. I, it would be humbling for me. I would have apologized. I would have walked out early with Bill Russell and said, hey, let's, you don't have to keep watching this. And maybe he did. And, and, you know, I don't know. Maybe Bill Russell kept leaning over and talking to him. Maybe he, he was giving him advice. Maybe he was saying, hey, you got to write this thing. This is, this is a mess. I don't, I don't know. But all I know is that Vivek got a heavy, heavy dose of embarrassment tonight. He, he really, really got it handed to him. His team didn't show up at all. And, like, let him sit there with an NBA legend just, you know, like, oh, sorry, this is the product I've put on the floor. My bad. It's it's all pretty surreal. I mean, it is. I, I, I stood and, and watched however many people cram into uh, Cesar Chavez Park for multiple celebrations, and I would have never bet in my life that this would turn this sour this fast. Um, but it comes back to the same things we've been talking about for like three or four weeks now. If, if this, if this team wants to take back this town and, you know, wear those, wear that Sacramento proud emblem, you know, without really, uh, I, I, I would say offending people based on my Twitter feed. Um, you know, people are really offended that, that the team does not stand for the ideals that they believe they should be standing for. You just have to eat some crow. And you just got to make, or, you know, like Carmichael Day, make the move. You got to make the move. And there's to me, there's just one silver bullet. Uh, it's at coach. Uh, I don't know who else would be out there other than the guy you fired and then the guy that's been kind of, you've been hitched to for, for the last few months. Um, but you got to make the move. All right, Aaron, any final thoughts for you on this edition of the Cowbell Kingdom podcast brought to you by Jiffy Lube? No, I, uh, I, I, I would tell Kings fans to try to, um, to keep, it, keep it calm, you know, take deep breaths. Remember, this is just a game and it is for your enjoyment. Um, be passionate, but, uh, you know, just try to hang in there because, as they say, uh, this too shall pass. I'm going to do the opposite, Aaron. I'm going to tell Kings fans, light it up. Light it up. Fire up the uh, the propaganda, like, freak-out machine. Because, my goodness, there are 34 games left in this season. My fear is that you lose this room completely and getting it back, regardless of who they bring in this offseason, getting it back once it's completely gone is nearly impossible. So, again, Kings fans, don't stop. Whatever you're doing with social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
calling the Sacramento Kings, calling your ticket agent, calling the front office, whatever it is, wherever pipeline you have, I say continue to use it because I think that this team is ready to like literally tuck into a, a little turtle shell and hide f until the draft and, and try to pump up the draft again like we'll get saved from the draft. Um, but at the same time, I, I just – this is – it's careening towards a cliff that no one should want this team to go over. And I, I think they can do irreparable harm. I think this thing could get to a point where literally no one wants to be here. And once you get to that point, there is no like, oh, look, we brought in X coach. Uh, it, it just doesn't matter. At that point – it's over and done with, and it's, you know, swap out the players again. And this time around, it'll be swap out your best players because it's going to be, like what you said, a total a total teardown if they don't watch it. And, uh, you know, guys demanding trades and using their influence. And, man, I, I think you got about three minutes of, of relief with DeMarcus Cousins making the all-star team. And then from there on out, you know, you're right back in the same situation. A win, a win no longer has three days shelf life. It doesn't. It, it's, it's, the, the fans want change. They want something different. And I don't blame them. And I, and I say go for it, fans, because uh, this is not what anyone bought into for this season. And this is not what you were promised. And uh, the only way to make it better is to make your voice heard, just like, how you were heard when the NBA decided to keep the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. So I say keep pushing buttons. The fire. Tweet. I, I'm just trying to keep them from jumping off the cliff, man. <laughs> They're lemmings. They're lemmings. They're running towards that cliff, all of them. Oh, my God. There's nothing we can do to catch them, Aaron. They need, they need this team to respond and not respond by losing – 10 of 11 games respond by doing something positive that turns this thing around. Even if it costs you that 10 spot and it costs you your first round pick this year, even if you're not making the playoffs, I don't care. This is a moment where you have to actually do the job, do the job that's in front of you, no matter how painful that is. And if the guys that are, that are running this team right now can't do the job, find somebody else that can do the job, fix it. Fix yeah. it, Aaron Bruski. Fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Cowbell Kingdom podcast. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube, fast and convenient automotive services with over 25 locations in the area. Visit them at jiffylubeca.com for coupons and locations today. Make sure to do that. Jiffy Lube has been a wonderful sponsor of the Cowbell Kingdom podcast this, this season. And uh, I know that we would love to continue doing sponsorship deals with them and with companies like them. And so we need you to go and click on things on Cowbell to get the and get your coupons and go to Jiffy Lube because they're good people and they've supported the Sacramento Kings and supported Cowbell Kingdom through some pretty dark times here. So I am James Ham. He is Aaron Bruski. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Cowbell Kingdom podcast. And again, thank you to Katie Christensen for swinging in for a brief segment following the game tonight. Some great insight from a former WNBA player. Great stuff. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Cowbell Kingdom podcast. We'll be back next week.
Take a closer look at unlimited data plans, and you'll see they're not always upfront with their prices. Not at T-Mobile. Get unlimited data with taxes and fees already included. And right now, get four lines of unlimited data while on our network for just 40 bucks each per month with AutoPay. So go ahead, take a closer look, and you'll see nobody does unlimited like T-Mobile. Don't wait. Hurry into a T-Mobile store or call us at 1-800-T-MOBILE and switch today. Top 3% of data users over 32 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds.